Surface is a series on Apple about a woman suffering amnesia after a traumatic brain injury that leaves her in a coma. Most signs point to her having attempted suicide by leaping off a ferry in the middle of the ocean, but that's clearly not the full story. She feels something's wrong, she's not depressed, she has friends, money, a good job, a husband, a side piece, and a wardrobe bigger than most studio New York apartments. So what happened? This takes place five months after the incident. Sophie is clearly having questions. She's having these nightmares of the drowning uh, where she lost her memories. And uh, we're just trying to figure out what's going on. There's so many people involved with Surface that have done other shows that we've done for this podcast. Like, for example, I'm talking mostly behind the camera. The yeah, because the actual people on the show are like five people. Yeah, but we have Sam Miller. He directed the first two episodes. He's directed episodes for Snowpiercer, I May Destroy You. He also did the season three finale of Daredevil, but I think he's most known for Luther. Then you have Kevin Rodney Sullivan. He directed the third episode. He's done shows like This Is Us, You, Evil, Lost in Space, Snowfall. Then you have Veronica West. She is the showrunner, and uh, she's done things like Bull and Dexter's New Blood. She also, I think, got an award for, like, Ugly Betty and did State of Affair with Katherine Heigl. Was she the creator, Heigl? Was she the Heigl. creator of the New Blood Dexter show? No, I think that she just directed some episodes Okay, so a lot of experience behind there, and Apple has made no secret that they like to do this. In almost every single show, they have a very small cast, but it's always a very talented of people that are recognizable from other shows yeah. yeah i assume you know where james is from james is obviously the haunting of hill house blind yeah. manor guy he was also in the invisible man and i really like his acting and everything that he does he does a great job of treading that line walking between supportive worried husband and possible villain of the entire story <laughs> yeah it always seems like he's almost being typecast now the, it seems like well it's like in the haunting of hill house the original one he was just straight up the good guy right but then since then he's kind of played an evil or character and he always seems to be the evil husband though <laughs> that's the thing like he always is the husband i don't think like. they were married in the invisible man and they also weren't married in haunting of Bly manor so i don't think he's ever played the husband in the invisible man they were divorced i think i think he i think that she was in his will i don't think they were married except for oliver jackson cohen did you recognize anyone else from the main cast he plays james ellis by the way um his wife so the main character gugu mamath raw plays Sophie Ellis, and I think that she just has a very expressive face. Like, a lot of this that we are watching is communication that happens without her speaking. So we get her being suspicious, anxious, angry, curious, guarded, bored, all just through her eyes, almost. I mean, every single review has said that she's, like, the best part of the show. Well, yeah, I mean, she pulls it together. However, I think that the show does have a lot of flaws that we should probably get into. But first, we should talk about the plot, right? Yeah. So she is struggling with this knowledge that a previous version of her tried to hurt herself, and yet she doesn't believe it. Like, somewhere inside of her, she knows that that is just the wrong narrative. I know that you said that she has, like, a lot of stuff going on with her mind. but Yeah, is she's it, in therapy for it. What you're talking about reminds me of a movie starring Ansel Elgort where there's, like, two different versions of himself. But, like, whenever he falls into one of them, he doesn't remember what the other one is like. You think that Sophie is two different people? No, we only ever see her as herself. She's just trying to unravel what, what happened okay. previously. The only time that we get a sense that she could be someone else was at the end of the first episode when the Coast Guard is telling her how she kept on insisting her name was like Tess or something. Um, and then later on, we learn that she liked horseback riding and that version of her never apparently existed with her husband, James, or with her best friend, Caroline. Like they didn't know about that. Right. So I, but that doesn't mean that she's two people uh, the, the bigger mystery here is who did this to her 
And her therapist is under the impression that she did it to herself. And no matter what she tries to tell her therapist about her dreams or her feelings, her therapist is like 100% gung-ho on the fact that she did it to herself. It's the weirdest like interaction between, because they're supposed to be listening to you. Right. Hannah is supposed to be listening to her this whole time. And instead, like I walk away thinking this is a horrible therapist. Well, it seems like the therapist is kind of sketchy. If she's, she's judgmental. Pushing, if she's pushing so hard to be like, well, you it's not this. like she could be the one in, who, because they don't know each other before this, but she's judgmental, skeptical. She insists that the memories are just wrong. She also says they'll never come back. Like she's persistent in her belief that her client will never ascertain the knowledge that she is trying to get, even though she's like also recommending neurotherapy and hypnotherapy and all this stuff to try to help her, which inherently means that Hannah is going to be wrong by the end of the show, mm -hmm. because cl clearly that's where it's heading. Yeah. So I don't understand why they made the therapist that way. That was just one of my cons. So why doesn't she get a new therapist then? She should. I, I'm 100% on board with it. And she doesn't use her therapist later on in the show when she could actually, like, when she's actually remembering things. And I don't blame her, you know? Yeah, because how bad she is. Okay. But yet yeah. she still keeps going to therapy. It's not like she mistrusts the therapist. It's just like it's an unnecessary character. It doesn't feel like it's adding anything. It feels like it's just thrown in there because it's the type of thing that a person with amnesia who had almost attempted suicide would be doing. Does it seem, though, that the therapist is keeping stuff in the dark? Because if there's one thing that every single reviewer always asked or interviewer always asked the cast was like, how much of the script did you actually know when you were heading into the, the series? The therapist did not know her before her accident, so it's like impossible that she could be involved at all. Okay, so what happens afterwards? Afterwards, she goes back home. Uh, she hangs out with her husband, James. He's in like finance, but like they have this super expensive townhouse and uh, they're able to afford basically anything they want. They live in San Francisco of all places. So like, yeah, things are well off. Then she hangs out with her friends later on. Uh, Caroline is her best friend and she has a group of other ones that we don't really meet. And she finds out that she's being kind of like stalked by this other dude who then introduces himself as a cop and also said he's on her case, but that they knew each other beforehand and that they were close. She then finds a video of them, the, her and the cop having had sex on her iCloud, which hadn't updated in the five months that she, she had a coma. video. But why did she have a video it's of it? It's the only thing in her iCloud account that seems to need updating. And it's this video of, of this just sex tape that they made together. Huh. And like after that, it takes until episode three before her being like, why didn't you tell me we were so close? And I was like, I was waiting on it. it this sounds like a sense. melodrama. And then at the end, she starts making out with him and it's like they're getting back together. And it's weird because you're supposed to root for the main character, especially when she's on a mission to like discover what happened in her life. But at the same time, I'm having a hard time sympathizing with her and her husband by the end up until then though like there's just a lot of moving pieces i guess that don't matter in the show uh well as far as you know of right now because from what i've heard Veronica West has promised that everything's comes together and all the reviews have said that like by the finale this thing actually starts like moving to me it feels like the cons are outweighing the pros and i don't see it turning around right quick i think the acting is good i think like i said James's character is really good at playing either good or bad. By the end, it seems like he's embezzled money from his firm and that's how they're able to afford a lot of the stuff that they have been. But I think that they've also been pushing the narrative that he is the villain too much. It's pretty clear that he's not in my point of view. Well, really, because every single thing that I've read, like fans are saying that like he obviously is the villain. It but seems I like feel like that one's just being spoon fed to us and it feels wrong 
not because I don't believe that Oliver Jackson Cohen can play a villain like in The Invisible Man, but like he just it, it, it doesn't make sense. Some of his actions, he did take ownership of her. It's called conservatorship because she was she had attempted suicide or he, she, he thought that she did. Let me say this again. He was caught lying several times, especially the biggest, most incriminating lie that he's had is that he was somewhere else during the time of her accident when he was actually around her, which would seem like, okay, well, then he did it. He pushed her off the boat. Right, okay. However, it just feels like we wouldn't be getting that information in episode three. Because it's so obvious. Like, it's such a big piece of the puzzle. Like, if he was just the overarching villain, they've already given us basically all the fodder that we need to hate So who do you think it is, then? I don't know who it is. Um, I had some of my theories that kind of already were disclosed. Um, not only was Sophie cheating on with with Thomas the cop, but also uh, James was cheating with Caroline. I, I kind of figured <laughs> that one out already, and then she revealed it. But then I, because they've revealed it, it doesn't feel like it's leading that. Would it have been better if because you're saying that you're supposed to go for the main two characters? Would it have been better if it was just a show that you didn't root for anybody at all? No, because you need in this one it's a mystery. Right. And in order to care about the mystery, you want to care about the individuals involved. And right now, they kind of just seem like rich assholes. By the end of it, that's probably the biggest sin is that I don't care about the mystery. I don't care that her name might have been Tess in the past, that she likes horses. The fact that someone pushed her off a boat. It doesn't even feel like her life is in danger right now. So honestly, why does she care that much? Mm. Like, I get that maybe in her mind and, again, expressive face. So, like, I do feel a little bit for her, but not enough for, like, me to keep watching. It felt like episode two didn't provide us with anything. I could have skipped episode two and we don't learn anything. It feels like I'm watching not a soap opera, but something that is, is just intent, like one of those movies where it's just like, is he the bad guy or is he not? Yeah. And then at the very end, there's one big twist and that that's the entire movie. So yeah, I, I mean, don't see why the show is necessary. So I give it a 5 out of 10. I also have other pros and cons. I should probably jump into the yeah, pros, though. I do like the amount of detail that Apple usually provides in this, like, the polished effect. Yeah. But they went above and beyond when she was, like, checking her emails because, like, I was looking at the other emails that she wasn't looking at. So she was trying to figure out if her husband was in Oregon, uh, in Portland, for this conference when she was on the boat. Because that's what he said he does every year, and that's why he his alibi, basically. Um, but instead, she finds out that uh, he booked a ticket probably with his Amex, but that he wasn't on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like okay. The cop was able to find that out as well. And then she gets a voicemail later on that says that she was around him at the time. Like, it's her own voice being like, he just left a second ago, you know? But, like, one of the other emails was an email from James, her husband, and it said, Dinner Thursday, that being in the subject line, and it says, Hey, if you think you feel up for it, we have this thing next week with those people from... (laughs) (laughs) And then also they did this thing where she she goes to work. So she gets her job back. I don't know how, if you have amnesia, you get to go... She works at a hospital as, like, not a nurse maybe, but, like, one of the technical staff or something. But they, like, allow her back in the first episode, and then we never see her go to work again. We see her run, like, 15 times in the the course of... Like, she exercises, like, an exer... She exercises like she's addicted to it, but she doesn't actually... No. She exercises like she's addicted to it, but, like, she never goes to work. The only person who seems to work is James. 
the cop does, but he's undercover. So it's like he never's actually in a cop uniform. Mm -hmm. Or and that's why I, at first I didn't even think he was really a cop. So she goes on the computer to check out her own hospital reports, finds out that she actually, before the accident, had a different accident where she broke her arm. I think Caroline was How many lying about that. How did she get <laughs> um, But the, the first one, Caroline just says she fell when it could have been something else. Um, that's where I started mis not believing her. And then also, um, it's, so I'm just saying uh, the amount of detail they put into kind of the tech version of it because yeah. they, they are Apple. I feel like that should get credit. Um, and then also the little things like when she's going to bed and at first I'm like, why is she wearing a watch to bed? And then later on in the scene, she removes the watch and her earrings. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that makes more sense. Mm -hmm. um, and then the music creativity, they only use it a couple times and it's not like the music score is that great. But they uh when she's trying to remember her stuff james does a really like nice thing where he writes on a bunch of different records the memories that they had with right. them like this was the first time we did this this is the first time we did this and then she we see her like playing the records in a really really quick montage and her like dancing to some and then like feeling sad and others and i just thought it was a really well done one and then later on when she's getting over her fear of water and she doesn't like to cross the bridge. Like at first we see her on a taxi where she like demands to get out because she doesn't want to go over the bridge. And then later on, she's with Caroline and they use music to like help her like sing her way across. Um, that sounds hokey. So, but, but music it was, actually, like you're saying music plays a part in kind it of It does her. a better job of therapy than the therapist does. So both of those <laughs> receive credit. The small cast, it's easier to keep a handle of what's going on when you have a small cast and they're, they're honing the plot like this. So also a pro. Yeah, but I, I, the I, last thing is the suspenseful scene with her burner phone. So when Thomas, her the person she's having an affair with, informs her that she had a burner phone, right? And she finds it in her purse and she puts it, like her husband's coming up the stairs. So she sticks it in the, like uh, one of the drawers, right? Mm -hmm. And she gets in the tub and then it starts buzzing and he hears it. And for a second, it's like, oh no, everything's going to blow up. He's going to find, because the, the phone was just a regular uh, non-smartphone and he could have opened it and he would have seen all the texts. Right. And he wasn't 100% aware of the affair from beforehand. Like we have a, um, like we find out later that he actually doesn't even know who Thomas is. Like they have a confrontation where it's just like, he, he has no idea who the guy right. is, right? Um, so we think that the burner phone's about to be found and then it's her own phone that was ringing in her dress. That was that was just a really good suspenseful scene. Uh, but that's about the end of my pros. And then my cons, I have a full list as well. Yeah, I, I was just gonna kind of talk about the cast for one second. Uh, Caroline, she has been in a lot of movies actually. I think she was the main actress in For a Good Time Call, Nick and Nora and Sitter. Stephen James, he plays the cop. Uh, Veronica West reached out to him personally. Like, okay. he didn't even have to audition for the role. And then uh, he said, when they were asking if he was going to watch the rest of the show, he said that he was busy with Blackbird at the moment. Oh, I'm trying to remember who he is in Blackbird. No, no, no. He was just watching Blackbird. He's not oh, in this show. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if that's like, if it was like a slight burn on his own show. Okay. Um. Yeah. His character and also James's character, they both really, really love the main character, so Sophie, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of that thing where, like, everybody loves me syndrome in yeah. these type of shows where there's really no reason for this crazy person to have so many love interests going for them and that yet they somehow do. So that's one of the cons. Another one is that this is just overkill. Many scenes retread the same stuff, the same drama. I don't trust my husband. People are lying to me. What am I not remembering? The whole second episode, like I said, just doesn't need to exist. Mm -hmm. um, and then another thing is like, I get that the wardrobe is cool and that they're rich, but like 
every scene that she's in, she's wearing a different, like, fancy <laughs> outfit, and her hairstyle has changed. I don't know where she gets the time to do so. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, bedtime, friends, when she's uh, out with her friends, when she's going to work, when she's in the subway, when she's in a taxi, when she's running, when she's at therapy. Like, who dresses? Why would she dress up to go to the therapy sessions? <laughs> it's weird. And then my observation earlier, it's not even that much of a flaw because, like, with industry, the whole entire show is based around their work life. So it makes right. sense that they – in this show, it's just funny how James is the only one who is going to work all the time, but he's the one who's also, like, screwed up his life by going to work because he's embezzled funds. Um, but by the end of the third episode, he's gone to his brother who also works in the same place, and I think he's going to help him. His brother's going to help him get out of this situation. And they also leave it ambiguous whether or not he has actually 100% embezzled funds or if he's actually admitting to something else to his mm, brother. Okay. So there's a question. That's why I also think that with James, he, he just can't be the ultimate bad guy here. And then the last thing is the continuity James got conservatorship over uh, Sophie. He's very paranoid of her by the end of the third episode because he's like checking up on her when she goes on a visit with Caroline to one of their other places. And he's like trying to hack into her iCloud account constantly, which he would if he did, he would see the affair video right. probably flip out. But the thing about that is like he, he tries numerous attempts that we see trying to get into the iCloud. And this is produced by Apple. And you would think that they would show after like the fourth attempt that it was starting to lock him out. Yeah, and instead for like he, hours. And instead he just has a full booklet of stuff where he can just try every single password in his mind. Like it doesn't. So, so it doesn't have a password. So that, that would that just bugged me a little bit. The other thing is that he would have found her burner phone because it was just in one of her purses. She had like eight purses, but like yeah, he would have gone through them in the in the time that she was in her coma or that she was in the hospital, and he was trying to figure out what had happened. You know. Mm -hmm. So like the fact that he didn't find it is it's just implausible, and also that it. Um, I think she did charge it. But it's also weird that it would have battery if yeah. she didn't. Yeah. I mean, the show overall is going to be eight episodes. They shot it in San Francisco, which was a place that they wanted to shoot from from the very beginning. It also, it's probably no surprise to you, has executive producers from Big Little Lies, including Reese Witherspoon. She's executively producing the show. Did you yeah, I saw her in credits? Yeah. Uh, Veronica West said that influences for the show were films like Vertigo, a 60s film called Last Year at Marinbad. Uh, which is a black and white film. And then uh, specifically... Marin Bad, M-A-R-I-N. Marion Bad. Oh, Marion. Marion Bad, yeah. Because they spend time at a place called Marin. Oh, that's probably, yeah, that's probably straight up a reference because it's based off of one scene of the film. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's the, the whole entire show, so I found that interesting. Overall, the reviews have been kind of negative. 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like I said, most people are a really big fan. I said of, I, I'd give it a five, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's about in line with that. Yeah, 5.7 on IMDb. Again. They just don't care. Not yet. Like, they, like, I don't feel like watching any more episodes because... I I just like, first of all, why hook her back up with the affair if you're it, just because she feels like her husband is is being duplicitous or something? Right. It is. I mean, yeah, I wish I could say something better about it. After the first episode, I was I was hoping that it was going to just keep on going in a in a trajectory that I liked, but instead it kind of just tapered off. And like I said, the season finale has gotten good reviews, no, but I people just... said, but people said it takes way too long just to get there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and I was also finding it strange that Kevin Rodney Sullivan, even though he's done kind of those dramatic shows I talked about before, also has done a lot of comedies like Modern Family. 30 rock even did some riverdale in there 
And so, I mean, like, I I thought that you were going to kind of talk about the humor as well, because I thought that maybe there nothing. Okay. There's not a lot of humor. No. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye.